Hey, Wolfman's got a podcast. But I thought Wolfman had nards. That's the best line of this movie, right? One of the best, yes. Oh, it is by it is such a dumb one-liner, and it's like it fits the movie perfectly. But I mean, um, it, it's up there with "Creature stole my Twinkie." Creature stole my, that sounds like a the start of like a dirty joke. Yeah, but then you see the scene and. No, Creature legit stole a little boy's Twinkie. Like, the fuck? Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Film Club Podcast, uh, where Dean and Boo sit around and talk about movies. I'm Dean. I'm Boo. And we do a miniseries every month on a different subject of discussion within film. This month we're doing... Monstober. Yes, we are doing only monster movies, universal monsters, classic monsters, and the movie we're talking about today... Is the Monster Squad. Which I had never seen before. And that's, you know, basically everyone's answer to this movie. Mm -hmm. It's celebrating its 35th anniversary this past August. And I didn't see this movie until its 30th anniversary five years ago. Oh, really? Yeah, I happened to see an article and I was like, oh, cool. Is this a new movie? What is this? And I'm like, oh, this is 30 years old. I've never heard of this. Let me watch it. Well... Which is surprising, because this has um, big boo energy. This this is a you movie through and through. If there was a movie about me and my likes, would this movie be me? It'd be would very it? high up there. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, it does have a lot of boo energy. <laughs> and um, it's also, uh, another interesting thing is, this is also our two-year anniversary we're, we're doing right now. That's right. I mean, technically, today's the sixth, so it's not, but... Yeah, the, the film club has been around for two years. We have uh, just now figured out how to do podcasts. Eh, it took a while, a little bit of practice, <laughs> um, over a hundred episodes later, but we, yeah. we finally figured it out, more or less. But uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm excited. This is a pretty good, like, back-to-roots kind of movie, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, this is the, the film club defined. <laughs> and, it, you know, thank you to you guys that are listening to us that, you know, have... Continue to push us to keep this podcast going. Uh, yeah, everybody who subscribes to us on YouTube or comes checks us out on Spotify or Apple any... Podcasts, uh, whoever follows us on Instagram, thank you. But we got to talk about the Monster Squad. Before we do that, I have All a, right. I, okay, because this is completely unrelated to the Monster Squad, but I I wanted to ask you this because it's been like bugging me. Okay. So I I've gone on a little bit of a of a journey the last two weeks. Basically, I've, I've sat down. I'm like I'm watching like Terminator, Terminator Two, The Abyss, uh, Titanic. Mm -hmm. You know James Cameron movies. Yeah. Because Avatar Two is coming out. And, yeah. And I need to know: Will the Tom Brady of cinema, James Cameron, win another Super Bowl? D is Avatar Two going to make another fifteen? bajillion dollars well like i've been telling you for the past i don't know how long they announced you know avatar 2 coming out and we've had this conversation don't care and it seems like a lot of people out there don't really care either i think they just waited way too long to have the sequel come out that it's just eh, you know wh whatever you know cool it's finally coming out i mean we were at a used bookstore the other day and you were you know kind of debating should i buy avatar or not and you were looking at the box and you're like yeah, I don't even remember what happens in this movie. So it's kind of like... But that's the thing, because they re-released it last week, and it made like $30, $30 million in its opening weekend for a movie that's like 12 years old. 
that's like I'm only bringing it up because of I was like I was watching James Cameron movies and I'm like is is he going to do it again? Are we going to bet against James Cameron even for him to just win another million bajillion dollars? I mean, I wouldn't bet against James Cameron ever because he's James Cameron. Every time you bet against him you lose. He we, is, we again. Went, we went to the same school as him. We we did. He's a Fullerton College alum. Yeah, fun fact about us. He he went he went for one semester and was like, "Fuck this shit, I'm out." <laughs> but um it's just something that I've been marathoning James Cameron movies because, you know, it's coming out and I'm I'm trying to figure out what the fuck about his movies works so well. And this is where it ties into Monster Squad, okay? Because okay? with James Cameron's movies, they are perfectly structured. Yeah. They have they have the perfect build up, beginning, middle, ends. They flow really well. They are they are solid structures of films. I they mean, always have little correct. Also, beats. their scale too. I mean, these movies are larger than life, and not yes. you know just box office numbers. You feel immersed into the worlds that he brings you into. Yeah, Titanic. You feel mm. like you're on there. All the painstaking detail he does. Mm. Terminator. Even though it was made on a shoestring budget, you feel like oh. The world he's created of this time travel thing, it feels real. Like, he doesn't half-ass anything. No. Monster Squad, on the other hand, is a movie that I think defies the structure of a screenplay. Yeah, and I mean, it also doesn't help that, you know, these are basically two guys that are coming out of film school. Yeah, that's um, Shane Black and Fred Decker. They're, mm-hmm. the, they're the architects of this film. They are, and, you know, they've done some pretty amazing things. I mean, Shane Black... Has written so many movies that you love. To to let people know who Shane Black is, if you don't know, uh, he's Hawkins from Predator. That he's the glasses, the nerd one in Predator. Mm-hmm. He also is an uncredited uh, screenwriter on that film. Also, he did all four Lethal Weapons, Iron Man three. Yeah, Shane Black has a very long career as a action heavy screenwriter. And Fred Decker, on the other hand, he was a director that made Night of the Creeps like the year before, two yeah. years before, which. Is a beloved, I don't know if it's a beloved cult classic, but it's a cult classic in the truest sense of the word. Yeah. Really underground, not a lot of people know about it. It stars Tom Atkins, who was the lead in Halloween 3. The Fog. And The Fog. And it's a throwback to those, like, 50s B-movies, and it's it's in that vein. And Monster Squad also feels like that. Mm-hmm. It's, like, a lot of loving detail, but... You can tell these guys wrote this, like, kind of just riffing off a screenplay. Because I think this was Shane Black's first screenplay he ever wrote. Yeah, I think he wrote this, and then he wrote Lethal Weapon. And then God damn, Lethal that... Weapon got bought up, like, super fast and ended up being filmed and released before the Monster Squad. Which, you gotta imagine that feeling where you go from, like, yeah, I wrote Monster Squad kind of just, like, not knowing how screenplays work. I made, I wrote a thousand-page screenplay. Mm-hmm. And then, right after that, you write, like, one of the prototypical great action films of, like, the 1980s, 1990s. And the fact that it was just snatched up. And then it's like, here, take the stack of money. And it's just like, I, this is my life now. I could do you one better, so... Uh, the guy who wrote Highlander, mm-hmm. the Highlander script, the original script, was bought because it was his, like, senior screenplay that he oh, turned geez. in for a grade. But back then, like, the vulture producers would mm-hmm. go into your film school and they would pour through scripts mm-hmm. to see what the fuck it was. And he w- they were like, oh, this seems kind of interesting. Hey, kid, we'll give you ten grand, and if anything ever happens, you'll get two points or three points. Like, they gave him, like, a 
pretty basic bitch deal. Yeah. And then Highlander came out and blew the fuck up. He got paid for every Highlander thing after that. And Hell I don't, yeah. I don't even know if he became like a, a seasoned screenwriter after that. I don't know if he made anything else, but his senior thesis script was Highlander and he got paid off forever. So was that the dream in film school? Oh, absolutely. You you wanted that. You wanted Roger Corman to come down and cherry pick you and take you away <laughs> to Hollywood. Just uh, fly you all the way to Hollywood land. Yeah, exactly. But Monster Squad feels so weird because it feels like something that is a really upscale, like, student film. Man, this has a lot of passion. There's a lot of, like, grit. There's a lot of, like, love of the subject in the film but it's like the craft seems off like i'm not going out of turn here saying it feels like there's 10 minutes missing from the movie no i agree on that it feels like we need 10 15 more minutes of just a little bit more understanding of certain things characters get a little bit more screen time character relationships a little bit more Mm -hmm. established like the conflict a little bit more. I mean, the conflict's there, but it feels yeah. like... The, Some throwback scenes. A little bit more. Because the movie's 82 minutes. Yeah, it just flies. And when you were watching it last night, I told you, this movie doesn't stop. It begins and it just takes off. Oh, yeah. The the opening scroll is like, hey, this is the premise, all right? Mm-hmm. Monsters versus kids. It's Goonies meets Fright Night. We're yeah. ju- that's what we're doing, guys. You're on the ball? Okay, cool. Let's go. And the movie plays, and if you, you know, drink the Kool-Aid, and you were like, okay, this is meant to be cheesy, it's meant to be goofy, I'm buying in. And I feel like even though you buy in, there still feels like it's, there's things missing. And that's my only gripe with the movie, because the movie's fun. I mean, whether you drink the Kool-Aid or you drink the high C and just have a good time. <laughs> oh, because this is an 80s movie. Got high C in there. Well, no, we had, I don't know if it was in the 80s or maybe the 90s. We had, what was it, the Kool-Aid squeezes? Oh, those was the ones they, in the plastic bottles? The plastic bottles, they'd be either oh, with red, the little blue. Tabs. Yeah, you twist the tab off of oh, them. Oh, those, those, were, those were definitely a 90s thing because I remember that was like my thing. Like oh, my, I love those. Because my parents, like, they never had a thing with me or my brothers or sisters or whatever drinking, like, soda. They're like, drink whatever you want. Yeah. But then they would get, like, the Kool-Aid packs because mm-hmm. they were, like, cheap or whatever. And I was like, oh, like, if you did something good at school, you got a little mm-hmm. Kool-Aid bottle. And I was like, ooh, fucking love Kool-Aid. Especially cool out of the fridge. Oh, it yeah. just hit the spot. God damn. Oh, I'm, I'm going to go get a 32 ounce of a Kool-Aid right now. I mean, now. they still sell those, so. I know they do. We my, should go get some. My, my, this is how lame, lame me and my friends are. We were hanging out, and my buddy, he was, like, he was, like, working at Walmart at the time, mm-hmm. and he comes in, he's like, hey, they had these on sales, and it's a fucking, like, pallet worth of those Kool-Aid six-packs, and we sat around drinking those. You didn't and, save me one? Oh, we finished them all! Like, I swear to God, I, I got diabetes <laughs> that night. Like, my foot is gone. It is over. I'm sorry. So that's why you've been walking a little different lately. Oh, cool. You're a little shorter, too. Just a hair. Just a hair. But, um, yeah, Monster Squad. Yeah, you know, you break out your, your Kool-Aid twist top or your high C. It's also Halloween time, so they do, like, the Slimer high C. Oh, the no, that stuff's gross. Ecto-cooler I mean, high C is gross. It is, but I also love it. Capri Sun. Yeah. You get your little juice box out. You sit down, you know. You Yoo-hoo. You you who You relax. You watch the Monster Squad. Like, the movie is, is asking you to just be a kid for, like, 
80 minutes. If you can be a, like a snot-nosed kid for 80 minutes, you're going to love the movie. That's like the I whole mean, I don't know premise. if you have to be snot-nosed, but just be a kid. Yeah, be a kid and buy into it. And that, that's what the movie's asking. And I think it works on that level. Were you able to just sit in and buy it? Or were you, no, I'm film critic Dean. I must analyze the shit out of this film. Hey, I love analyzing shit out of this film. And there, there's shit in this film. Like, there's actually, like, subject matter. And there's actually, like, a theme and a metaphor going on yeah. in the movie. It's just, again, there's some actors who are, like, suspect. I, I'm pointing out the principal at the beginning of the movie. That I don't know if that was somebody's friend or what, but he is giving a not-so-great performance. And I mean, he's also supposed to be, like, you know, the dweeby kind of principal, you know? Oh, you, you hooligans, you shouldn't be drawing in class, you know? He's dweeby, and then there's what that guy's doing. I don't know what, I don't know what he's going for. But that's, like, the thing. I understand that he's, like, everybody who's a throwaway character, they're give, they're playing, oh, they're playing to the cheap seats. And I think that's weird, because everyone else, I think, is giving a pretty good and solid performance the guy that plays dracula is actually giving a great performance oh my god um, i love him what what's his name i have it written down right here <laughs> his name is duncan Regier. strong name strong name i have no idea how to pronounce the last name strong name well that's why i wrote the pronunciation because oh, you know smart. the way it's spelled i wouldn't have been able to pronounce it but yeah it's pronounced Regier. he's canadian mm-hmm. six four and that was something that we had, you know, discussed in our pre-recording talk. Because you're like, yeah, I don't know if they're just trying to film him so that he looks larger than life. And I'm like, no, dude was 6'4", just towering over these kids. And also, I think it works because he, he is probably, like, the best part of the best actor in the movie. Mm-hmm. Because he's playing Dracula, he's playing a Lugosi riff. But he feels more intimidating than Lugosi. I think Lugosi's thing was, Lugosi was sinister. Like, I was always, like, every time Lugosi's talking as Dracula, man, it feels like he's lulling you into false insecurity because he has something sinister going on behind the scenes. This guy feels more like, oh, if this guy attacked me, it's over. Well, that and Lugosi's Dracula was meant for an older audience, so he was, you know, sinister, but also... Uh, debonair and sexy and you know appealing to the women and in this movie it's children so he kind of had to you know flip the switch and play it different so he took more of a sociopathic role where it's just this is my mission i am getting the amulet and i will take out any kid any person that crosses my path yeah so that's no you know oh it's you know friendly dracula or you know funny dracula no this is i'm here to you know cut a bitch up and that kind of gets into something about this movie, because I I think we should talk about how this movie got made, where this movie comes out mm. at, because it's pretty relevant. Yeah. Because I picked this up right away, that this movie feels like a mixture of, like, a like the Goonies of, and a Fright Night. Yeah. Like, it, it feels like this movie is coming out of that Amblin Entertainment, like, family films but it's like trying to play into like the spooky creature feature movies that were coming around at the same time like mm-hmm. uh i know creep show came out in like 81 fright night came out in 85 i think there was a wolfman movie somewhere in there i know there was like like monster films coming out in the 80s yeah that kind of like 
show that, you know, you could do monster films again and they would do okay. I mean, we had E.T. came out in the 80s. We have a lot of, like, these kids' teen movies, Breakfast Clubs, uh, Pretty in Pink, Sweet 16. And that's the other thing. You, They were... Hollywood finally figured out, oh, we can focus, like, kid actors and they could be the star and they can carry the movie. Ferris Bueller's Day Off, where it's yeah. like, yeah, you could have kids and teens go into a movie and feel like, oh, you know, this is how I talk. This is, you know, kind of the conversations me and my friends have. This is the things that we do. Oh, we'd have a blast if, you know, monsters just suddenly invaded our world. I think that's the thing about Monster Squad that's so relevant is that the movie is banking on the fact that monsters are coming back mm -hmm. and these teen comedies are coming are coming out or these kid-led comedy adventure films are mm -hmm. coming out and Shane Black, Fred Decker, they have a take and it comes out and it just doesn't hit and i think the reason is the actual movie feels almost like uncategorizable like you can't really market this movie to a specific audience because well, it's too adult for kids but it's too goofy for adults well i also think whoever was the marketing team that took on this film maybe didn't you know watch the movie maybe they didn't get like a reel to watch and kind of figure out okay this is you know what you know we kind of have to you know absorb and okay we should design you know this for that I mean, one of the things that I saw for the original film was to advertise that they made like these old Western wanted posters with the monsters. And it was just like, is this uh, monsters meet the old West or is the monster squad a group of like uh, gunslingers that are hunting them down? And that's the thing. I feel like because because the marketing department, they usually get like a brief because yeah. sometimes it's like, oh, by the time you're marketing it, the movies is like it's either be still being shot so mm -hmm. you might see dailies or they're like editing it so you don't have a full movie yet because you got to market shit like almost a year in advance or like six months at least so my guess is they got a brief and the brief of this movie is so bare bones but they had to have seen it because the, if they saw it then that explains why they couldn't just market it for like little kids yeah because this is not a children's movie it's kind of this is like a teenager movie like this this hits like a good like uh 12 to like 15 age range that's like the the core market for this movie yeah. and you know the kids that do enjoy this movie are kids that are really into monsters so it's just it's this special category that they kind of just drop the ball on and i mean even when i first saw the movie i loved it and i'm like okay let me see if i could find some vintage merch from the 80s you know monster squad shirts or stuff no there was hardly anything the only thing i think that they put out promotional wise to purchase were pins that just said the monster squad yeah and it's like that's it it's like in the world that we're living in with you know et you know there was little et dolls and pajamas and toys well, there's nothing you remember like we talked about this uh when we did starman like yeah. last month et was the highest grossing film of all time when it got dropped that movie made all the money it was a giant monster hit and like yeah that movie having a huge marketing budget a huge marketing push and it being in everything and it running for like a year plus that makes sense but this this ain't et well this is an et but a struggle that this movie had on top of you know marketing and just 
the critics weren't taking it seriously because they were like, oh, well, there's kids in it, so it's a kids movie, so it doesn't matter. And and also, the movie is trying to be, like, a bad B-movie on purpose, and critics don't like when you do that. They don't like anything. So, it, you know, it's, you know, issue after issue. And I, you know, I talked to my mom and asked her, hey, you know, in 87, do you remember this being advertised? And she was just, you know, no, I don't remember hearing about this movie at all. My mom's, you know, an avid movie watcher. So she was, you know, in there for some of, you know, the most biggest movies to come out in the last couple of decades. You want to know what debuted two weeks before this movie? Oh, oh, okay. 1987. Was this... Was this Temple of Doom? No. Fuck. It was The Lost Boys. Oh, fuck. And those Exa- just- yeah, that's the other fucking movie mm-hmm. that's like, oh, yeah, like, why would you watch Monster Squad when you see the fucking Lost Boys? Exactly. So it's just, you yeah. know, stake in the heart. It was just like, oh, man, Lost Boys came out. This movie that everybody went to go see, everybody still talks about The Lost Boys. Yeah, the movie that's that basically created the vampire goth girl. That exactly. That just like... Oh, so you're into, uh, uh, like, vampires and goth stuff? She's like, no, I'm just really into Kiefer Sutherland from, from Lost Boys. That's what you're fucking into. I mean, no. Kiefer in that movie. Whew. <laughs> that, that is a rough go. Oh, yeah. Because Lost Boys, that, that actually has, like, cross appeal because, you know, you have, like, oh, just a bunch of, like, good-looking guys doing, like, the goth punk thing. And also, it's a horror movie. And also, your leads are kids, and yeah, yeah you have the, you have the Frog Brothers. You have basically the kids you, that are taking on. Co- you have the two Corys coming in. You have the two Corys, and you have the kids taking on the monsters. But the monsters are, you know, teenagers. So you have kids versus teenagers, and then you have this movie. Oh well, it's ripping off the Goonies. It's ripping off Lost Boys, and it's like and the, it's like no, it's not. It's its own little special niche, but. But, but it just got, got steamrolled. You gotta, you gotta say it. It's just the Monster Squad had like no chance. No. My, that's the problem with with the movie as it is for it trying to be like profitable because mm. you know Hollywood's a business. The movie had like no legs because this movie is designed to be a VHS powerhouse. This is a movie that should have been like. We're going to run it in theaters for, for whatever it makes. Then we're going to put it on home video and push the fuck out of it. Yeah, This just, should have been a blockbuster staple. The struggle that this movie had, it only brought in $3.8 million. Against it, the $12 million budget. Exactly. So, you know, just to get steamrolled, this should have been a blockbuster holy grail find. It was for a couple of people, but not as it should have been. It should have been, you know, every blockbuster, you know. Oh, well, yeah, we'll rent that for you. You know, it's a kid's movie, and it's like, holy crap. I mean, they're, you know, hand-to-hand combat with the, these monsters. There's tits in the movie. Or, yeah, they're or, almost tits in the movie. Yeah, they they the, cut away, because they're like, we're trying, we're hitting PG, right? That's that's the goal here? We're not getting hard R? It's a PG-13 movie. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's not a, it's not a PG movie, a G movie. No, this is PG-13. I, oh, I should have known, I should have known Temple of Doom didn't come out this year. Temple of Doom created PG-13. Yeah, I mean... My mom remembers seeing The Lost Boys for the first time. She's like, yeah, we were on vacation in Hawaii and we made a point that we were going to go see The Lost Boys. And it's just like, that was just two weeks later. And it's like, you have no recollection of anything. Yeah, you know, I feel bad for, you know, Fred Decker and Shane Black and the actors of this movie because I love this film. So many people love this movie. And it's just, it didn't get its due until 
like 20, 30 years later. It's something where watching it, I really enjoyed it. My thing is, is, you know, it's not a perfect film by any means. It's a really fun movie. This is a movie that I think is truly a cult classic Mm -hmm. in like the truest sense of the words. It's a movie that came out, didn't do well, kind of disappeared into the ether like, the only people who watched it were the ones, like, in the know. They were, like, your cool cousins who had, like, the black label VHS that they found up in a dumpster and it had Monster Squad on it. And like, that's... you had that cool cousin. Yeah, and that's why, you know, I kind of fell in love with this movie, you know, and after doing research after I first saw it, I finally felt like I was, you know, brought into this special club. This club that I've always wanted to be in, and it's like, wow, I finally have my in. And when we were talking about it last night, I'm like... This is a lot like The Thing, where it just got, you know, demolished when it first came out. And it took, you know, a special group of individuals to be like, no, this is a masterpiece. And it's taken this long for people to finally, you know, give it its due. Well, the difference between, like, The Thing and this is, like, like The Thing I legitimately think is a masterpiece. It It is, like, a filmmaking masterclass. With The Monster Squad, I think that this is, like, to a certain group of people this cuts right through the bullshit and you get this is a movie made for like the heart and not like the mind kind of thing oh, this definitely. is like this is a movie where it is aimed at the kid who was like oh you grew up you were kind of awkward you were really into monster stuff but like yeah you didn't really have the friends to like back it up but this movie cuts right through that and be like no no no, you're not alone this is this is a movie that's perfect for that niche audience hi i'm boo nice to meet you hi how's it going (laughs) but like the thing is like that's that's like a top to bottom like craftsmanship master class great themes everything monster squad is like no it's like i got all the emotion but the craft isn't all there like there's a lot of technical things about the movie that are wonky some some scenes are you can tell are like man, that is just, like, not lit correctly. Or it's like, okay, everything's done in a master. Like, everything's done in this big wide because Mm -hmm. the director himself admitted, oh, I didn't realize you had to shoot a master for everything. So then he started doing that for every scene. Yeah. And the other thing is, like, some of the effects are weird. I noticed this. This is the one thing in the beginning of the movie that irked the shit out of me. And it's not, like, something that's, like, egregious with the story. But when the movie starts... You're painting through Transylvania, you're going through the the woods, and you're about to lead up to the castle, Mm -hmm. right? You just cross through the gates, and red text comes up, and it's introducing the movie. And I noticed this. When the red text comes up, you can still see the little red overlay thing from where they, like, put the... the, Where they pasted it? Where they pasted it. You can still see that bleeding through on the film still. That's not supposed to be there. It's just supposed to be the letters. So somebody, like, the processing didn't do due diligence to make sure that it developed properly and was clean. That's how I know, okay, we're watching uh, we're watching a good effort, a solid go. And it's, you know, watching the movie, I'm like, man, but it's it, it feels nice. Hey, it's not know, great, but it feels nice. You know, you're a independent filmmaker. I try. You, you, know, you try. I try on the weekends. I, we, you know, we made a movie earlier this year. Yep. And... You, you've seen it a bunch of times, you spot, you point out, you know, a lot of, you know, things that you'd want to change. I've seen it as someone that helped you make it, but also as a viewer, I don't really pay attention to those things. I just enjoy the film. And that's, you know, I didn't even notice that. I, you know, I am going to have to go back and see the beginning of it just to see if I could see that red outline because 
I'm more focused on the text and the, oh, you know, okay, okay we're getting into it. We're going to get into, you know, the, the takeover at Dracula's castle. Well, the difference here is that the thing I made, I funded myself and it was a short film that, yeah. you know, is still being like done because we fucked up a bunch of like stuff. But the it's diff- still but really this- good. Yeah, yeah, I get that. But this is a $12 million like studio film. Yeah, like and they were professionals on this. Yeah, but you have, you know, people that weren't professionals on this, and this was kind of, you know, all right, we're going to learn as we go. Yeah, I think, like the director, Fred Decker, because he'd made a movie before this, Night of the Night Creeps. Of Creeps. And we talked about that a second ago, mm-hmm. and it was, it's a throwback to the B mm-hmm. movies and all that stuff, and it's another one of these cult classics, but in the true sense of the words. Yeah. But it feels like he used. Night of the Creeps and Monster Squad as his film school to mm-hmm. learn how to make a movie. Yeah, because like, we... Tarantino's talked about that before. His first film, My Best Friend's uh, Wedding, mm-hmm. I think that's what it's called, or My Best Friend's Birthday. Y- you know why you've never seen that movie? He tried to burn it and destroy it. There's only like 30 minutes left of it. Okay, that's why I was confused, because like My Best Friend's Wedding is a big movie. That's why I'm like... It's his best friend. It's called My Best Friend's Birthday. I think he made it in like 80... 80- nine it was like before reservoir dogs yeah he was like i made that and that was my film school it took Mm -hmm. him like a year to make it because he filmed a scene every weekend for like a year and he said yeah i did it to show you if i can make a movie and you know the movie when i saw it was absolutely awful but it taught me how to make a movie and i feel that's what's going on with night of the creeps and monster squad because it, it still feels a little raw. Like, Monster mm-hmm. Squad feels a little still, like, primordial. Like, this is something that, okay, if this was his, like, first movie, I'm like, I I understand this guy. This guy is, you know, fresh out of film school. He's still learning the ropes, and I get it. But he didn't even go to film school. He wasn't allowed into the program at UCLA. So it was just, okay, I'm going to go around it, and I'm going to take English so that I could screenwrite. Yeah. So it's, you know, picking up stuff that you learn secondhand from your friends that are in the film school. And yeah, it's going to take you a couple of goes to kind of, mm-hmm. you know, pick up and really learn how to do things. So it's like, I can give him a pass on that. I'm, I'm giving him a pass too. I'm just pointing it out mm-hmm. that when you watch the movie, there's things that are a little awkward or things that look weird. That's probably why. Mm-hmm. You know, I give him a pass, you know, yeah, like. Fuck, if I was given $12 million and said to make Monster Squad, yeah, I don't think I can do better. I mean, let alone we were watching, out, you know, um, the documentary about this movie, Wolfman's Got Nards. And great, we were, great documentary name, by oh, the way. Oh, absolutely. But we see, you know, the people that made, like, the monsters themselves, and some of them were, like, 20 years old. And it was like, okay, well, go ahead, make the costumes. How? Well, that's on you that you're taking on this role as costume maker. We, we hired you for the job, so you better not do your job. Yeah. So it's just, you know, it's a lot of learning uh, learning and picking up and going. Yeah. It's a lot of throwing you in. This is like getting thrown into the deep end mm-hmm. and being and like that's how you learn yeah. to swim, which for that, it's pretty good for being somebody's like basically their first. I guess this is a second movie, but basically being like. A fresh out of film school feature. Mm-hmm. This is pretty good for that. Like, yeah. I, don't be wrong. I, I respect the hell out of it. Um, but should we tell people what the movie's about? Yeah, why don't you tell everybody <laughs> the elevator pitch of what this movie is? Yeah, so I have the, I have the plot synopsis from the back of the box, copied it right from the VHS. Where did you find the VHS? So you go down um 
Fifth Street, take a right, and you see Mount Doom. Once you scale that, there's a little there's a little vault there that you have to dig, you know, about 15 feet down. It's right in there. That's where it is. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's right next to, like, the Magnificent Ambersons, the full cut, Who Framed Roger Rabbit's The Screen Test, all, all those stuff. Gotcha. Yeah, so the synopsis for Monster Squad is a young group of monster fans attempt to save their hometown from Count Dracula and his evil gang of classic movie monsters. That That's it. Q and the thunder and the lightning. <laughs> the, the howls. But yeah, that's... The back of the box synopsis. That's yeah. the that's the pitch. It, it again. If you told a marketing team that's what the movie's about, that's not a whole lot to go on. No, you really need a little bit more detail because this movie has a little bit more depth than just okay. The kids are gonna go defeat the monsters. Bye. Yeah. yeah so so let's give it a, a a beat by beat real quick. Okay. Because so, it opens. We have that Van Helsing number mm-hmm. where Dracula is trying to. You know, take over the world. Yeah. Van Helsing comes in, uses the the thing, the the magic, right, to stop Dracula, and he goes into slumber. Yeah, then, he he has um, what did they say it was? They they were opening up a loop or the void or the 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 time matrix. It's weird because they explain it twice because they have the opening text scroll like in Star Wars. Yeah, where it's like. Long ago in Transylvania, Dracula tried to take over the land using a magic amulet, and then Van Helsing came and saved the world. But Dracula may come back. And then it shows you that exact scene, like, right yeah. right there, right yeah. after. It still doesn't explain everything. Like, you don't really know the rules of how the amulet works and Van Helsing's thing, but it's really fucking fun. Because oh, yeah. it oozes... Dracula fan love. I I mentioned this. I wrote it down. The whole Dracula castle is just a love letter to to Todd Browning's Dracula. Yeah. Like 1931, it's just a love letter. You have armadillos in the castle. That was a big thing you made a point of. You're like, oh my god, they have the armadillos. And it's like, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. That's how you know somebody's, like, done their homework. Yeah. Because if they didn't, what's in Dracula's castle? Well, you know, you have some bats, you have some coffins, rats, coffins, bones. you put some, you know, oh, maybe you'll have like, you know, a, a possum or a rodent, and then you'll have, um, you know, spooky stuff, right? Spiders, Spiders. cobwebs. But an armadillo, that's that's only in the fucking Todd Browning Dracula movie yeah. because they filmed it in Southern California. You couldn't keep them off the fucking set. Yeah. But we have that happen. And then we just cut forward to the 1980s. We meet our main, like, cast of characters mm-hmm. uh, with Sean, Sean's friend, who I think only gets named in the last, like, ten minutes of the movie. Patrick. Patrick. Fat boy, who only ha- gets named... Horace. Horace. I have an uncle, Horace. And Phoebe? Phoebe is Sean's younger sister. Okay, I'm, I'm doing this, okay. And then we have Rudy. Rudy, thank you. Also, what the fuck's Rudy's deal... He comes in dressed like Brando from the Wild Ones and just sparks a cigarette on his boots as he's on his bike, lights up. Like, what the? How old are these kids? Had I seen this growing up, Rudy would have been my crush of all time. <sighs> he, he would have taken out Edward Cullen from Twilight. Well, I mean, me and Edward don't go that far back. Uh, if I had watched this when I was about their age. Would he young Michael? Young Michael Jackson, would you even knock that out? Ooh, I did love me some young Michael Jackson. Mm, thriller era Michael Jackson? <sighs> Maybe. Definitely. I mm. think so. Uh, 
But uh, interesting fact about Sean and Patrick, who we first see in the principal's office, uh, Robbie Keeger was the one that auditioned for this movie first, who mm-hmm. plays Patrick. Yeah. And in real life, he's best friends with Sean. Oh. So he recommended to the casting, you know, hey, my best friend, Andre Gower, he's an actor too. Could you like get him an audition for this movie? Took and- his role. I don't know if he was auditioning to be Sean in the movie, but mm-hmm. their compatibility, you know, you could see that in the movie. It's like, okay, these guys would totally be friends. And it's like, oh, no, they were friends. So like, I think that's, you know, the perfect kind of blend to have these guys are like, yeah, we've been best friends for who knows how long. And now we get to be best friends on the, the big screen. Yeah, which I think that actually comes through. Like the camaraderie with the Monster Squad actually feels like a real like kid friendship you would have at like that age 10 11 12 whatever it doesn't it is. feel forced no it feels like like they're bullshitting with each other mm-hmm. they're calling each other names but they're not like being mean they're little kids who are like left alone to their own devices it's yeah. like when people were shocked when south park came out and they're like <laughs> oh my god these fourth graders are cussing and cursing at each other oh my god and oh my like, god they killed kenny they killed kenny you bastards it's like no like kids are fucking vulgar assholes when when their parents aren't around yeah but the thing is, like, you have Horace, who is I pretty obviously a chunk type, mm-hmm. you know, the the fat kid archetype. Yeah. And you have, you know, Phoebe, who's like the young sister. And usually, if you have a younger sister character, they're like eight and they're playing five. They actually just got a five-year-old and she's surprisingly good for five. Oh, yeah. But we have the Monster Squad introduced. Rudy decides to join the, the Monster Club. And then... Dracula shows up in town, or Dracula drops in on D-Day to come into the town uh, from the airplane. From Browning Moving Company or whatever, but I'm like, there you go, you have another nod to the classics. And (laughs) that's another thing. Dracula just jumps out of the fucking airplane like he's D.B. Cooper. Nice try, cool, I'm just gonna float here, and then I'm gonna turn into a bat and fly away. Just Dracula being, being you know, suave. That's what it's up. Dracula being a fucking badass. But he jumps down, he drops in, and then he's like, I must summon my monster so I can take over the world, because I'm mm-hmm. Dracula. So, like, the Gill Man rises up from the swamp that they drop into in whatever state this is. And the mummy- lifts up, you know, uh, Frankenstein's uh, coffin, casket. Crate. Crate. <laughs> They, he wakes up Dracula. We have the Wolfman who transformed. I guess the Wolfman was just some random dude who got transformed into a wolf. Yeah. The Mummy wakes up, which is just some mummy at the museum. They're they're playing fast and loose with how these guys showed up. But, you know, the Monster Squad comes together. And during this, we have the... I'd say the most interesting part of the movie. Or, like, the dramatic part of the movie. The, the undertone of the movie. Yeah. What the movie's really about going on. The good shit. The Oscar clips going on. We gonna get there? More descriptors. Um, where we see Sean, our, our, the leader kid, mm-hmm. interacting with his parents and his, like, his dad, who's trying really hard to, like, be there for him. And, you know, hey, you wanted to go see Jigsaw 7 or whatever, which is a shitty horror movie. I think it was, like, Night of the Groundhog Part no, 8. It was Groundhog Day. It was Groundhog <laughs> Day Part 7. <laughs> and he was like, ah, blah, blah, I'll take, t- go take you or whatever. But he can't, but they go up onto the roof and they watch it together. And I'm like, oh, that's like a really like sweet father-son moment. But the thing is where he says marriage counseling. Yeah. And you see what's going on is, oh, Sean's parents are like on the rocks. They're getting Mm -hmm. a divorce. Like they're breaking apart. 
And that's the whole thing. Like, Sean's into monsters and into the spooky stuff because this stuff he understands. You yeah. know, monsters are, yeah, they're scary, but they're, they have rules, you yeah. know? Like, I, I can grasp that. Like, mm. he's escaping into the fantasy of it because his reality is pretty pretty scary like his parents are gonna get divorced like what's that's gonna be like it's the movie actually does have something to say about the monster fan culture hi nice to meet you again hi how's it going <sighs> you know again this has a lot of boo energy yeah but that like that is the real crux and the real story of the movie is hey yeah we're just kids having fun and monsters these monsters universal monsters aren't scary but you love them, you assess them because it's, like, comforting. They're like, his safe haven. Yeah, they're a safe haven when, like, the reality of the world's not looking so hot. Yeah. And I love that part of this movie, and we spend, like, almost no time with it. Like, it's it's it shows up a little bit, like, in the background, but it's never, like, brought enough to the foreground for me i i again said again because you want 10 minutes more of this because you want it to be kind of like you know a horror comedy drama where we get you know a little bit more on you know his parents falling apart and just the kids observing it and not really saying anything because they're kids it's like what can you say say well dracula's coming back to you know destroy the world which happens so we have that the kids get Van Helsing's diary somehow, which I still don't know how they get. His mom uh, manages to buy it at like a, a yard sale up the street from the house, Please. and it's just like, like, oh, I, I saw this spooky book, and you know, I like, I know you like Van Helsing. He's the one that fights against Godzilla, right? And she's like, no, mom, Godzilla's its own thing. Van Helsing's Dracula. And she's like, oh, which one's the tall one? Godzilla's the tall one, mom. You know, it's not, you know, Dracula. So he gets Van Helsing's diary. He brings it to Spooky German Guy. His character name is Spooky German Guy. Scary, or scary German, German guy. guy. And they he gets him to translate. And it's like, oh, Dracula's coming and blah, blah, blah. And they, they figure out that Dracula's in town like a right away. Like they're like, Dracula's in town. We got to save the day because we're the monster squad. Well, we, we figure out that Dracula's in town because... You know, again, you know, the parents are fighting and Sean's, you know, kind of just listening to them, you know, fight again. And there's this little note by the phone that said, you know, Mr. Alucard called, you know, in regards to Van Helsing's diary, diary you know, pay. willing to pay. And, you know, Sean goes and sits down and is kind of like, you know, hey, Alucard, that's, you know, a unique name. Kind of sounds familiar. And you see him, you know, penning it out. And it's just, oh, shit, that's Dracula spelled backwards. That and, takes him way too long to figure out. And I was out. just like, Yes. Takes like, I him, fucking love it. No, it takes him way too long to figure out his Dracula. But he's a kid. Oh, for God's sakes, I was six and I figured this out. Uh-huh, I'm sure you did. Oh, but it, go, it goes on. We we have the Monster Squad get established. They have, like, their character moments. Yeah. We see the monsters go out and they try and, you know, thwart the Monster Squad from thwarting their plans. And a lot of comedy action. Fun stuff's going on. I don't want to spoil the whole movie for anyone. Because this movie, yeah, it's 35 years old, but no one's seen this. This this is still, like, we can get a lot of fresh people involved. I mean, let alone the first DVD came out for, I think, the 20th anniversary of this movie. So it came out July 24th, 2007. 
That's a, a while. So to Wait. have this movie come out in 87. Oh, wow. That's a long time. It only got released limited, you know, to a couple of, you know, VHSs, Laserdisc. And after that, I think it was just a movie that was shown on HBO. This has a, a feeling of like an HBO late night movie. So then it turned into a lot of fans that are into this movie had to write, you know, to different companies and be like, hey, this movie deserves a DVD. You know, we want to see this movie and not have to wait till, you know, it's just randomly on cable or what I was hearing from a lot of people that love this movie. They were passing around bootleg copies of it just to have, you know, a copy on DVD. And it's just like, yeah, you know, why isn't there a DVD to this movie? See, that's the thing. And I, I want to talk about this real quick because that that's a real cult movie thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like. I think the word like, oh, it's like a cult classic, yeah, whatever, that gets reused inappropriately on some movie mm -hmm. when people are like, oh, Goonies, cult classic, no. man. Goonies was like the one of the biggest movies of that year. Or it's like, bro, I got a, I got a sick one. You ever heard of, have you heard of Star Wars? Oh, it's such a cult classic. What the fucking eat my dick? <laughs> but like, like, how do you define a cult classic? Like a, like a film that's a really... Like, a cult movie. Like, do you have an example of something you can pull out and say, this is, like, my my exhibit A of a cult film? Well, I think for me, how I would describe it would probably be Rocky Horror. I mean, it's huge, but it's yeah. always been titled as a midnight movie. And I kind of feel that this is in the same realm where, you know, it's been a slow burn to get, you know, the fandom that it has now. Because so many kids and, you know, people have, you know, discovered this from, you know, when it dropped to much recently. So that's what it kind of feels like, you know, that this Midnight movie has turned into a cult classic. And it's just, yeah, we really want to kind of spread it around now to, you know, hey, you love monsters? Here, give this a watch. Help this movie out. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty good example because Rocky Horror for the longest time was this the only the people in the new new Rocky yeah. Horror, and they would introduce it to their friends. I think I think in the last like fifteen years ish, twenty years, like when the internet finally like absorbed Rocky Horror and spewed it to the universe, then it finally tipped over into being oh now it's like evolved from a cult classic and became like oh no it's like it's like a queer cinema icon or it's like oh no this has been reclaimed as like a secret masterpiece or no this is like primo musical work that is constantly remembered. I mean, look at the Frida Cinema in Santa Ana. Every month they do, um, what a is it Rocky called? A Rocky Horror Midnight Showing. A Midnight Showing, but it's, um, Shadow Play or what is it? Something like that where they have people on, like, a stage in front of it doing the dances and acting it out. They do this every month and it sells out every time. Well, that's the thing about Rocky Horror and a lot of these mm -hmm. movies that are midnight movies, cult movies, whatever... Is that's what independent cinemas live on. Rocky yeah. Horror keeps a lot of small indie theaters afloat because they know they can put it on and they're gonna sell out because people love the whole, oh, who's the virgin? Oh, who's the mm -hmm. who's the one who hasn't seen it before? Because people love introducing these cult films to each other. And I think Rocky Horror got to the point where it tipped over to enough people got introduced to the film that it no longer was a cult film anymore. It just became a a film it's an it's an iconic film it's it's yeah. its own beacon it's just it's this amazing movie and i feel like this movie is you know finally in cult status and it's you know kind of had to take from rocky horror where you need 
word of mouth to pass it around to kind of get people, you know, hey, I absolutely love this movie. If you guys write into, um, you know, production companies, maybe we can get this distributed worldwide. I mean, mm. I didn't get the DVD for this movie until last year. Oh, geez. You know, discovered this movie five years ago, and we just randomly found it at uh, Barnes & Noble. Mm-hmm. I remember we went one day, and it was just there. And I'm like, oh my god, I've never seen it anywhere else. <laughs> it's a movie that doesn't fucking exist. Yeah, so I was like, you know, absolutely, I'm going to take this one copy and, you know, guard it with my life. Because it practically took an act of Congress to get it made. The thing is with, like, cult movies, because this is, like, a good, like, example of a cult film, right? Yeah. It's a movie did really bad when it came out. Like, it it played in theaters for, like, a month. It got it to bombed. home... It bombed. It got to home video. Even then, not a lot of people caught on to it. It took kind of years and a lot of word of mouth before people claimed it. Like, the movie got claimed by such a small group of people that it took so long for it to spread into, like, fan culture. Like, because I know, like, cult movies where they're, like like really small and no one knows about them Mm -hmm. uh there's a movie um freak out yeah which is a i love that movie it's a really cheesy like low rent it's pretty bad indie horror comedy from like england it's made like 2004 and that movie no i found the dvd copy and i might be the only person on earth with a dvd copy of this film yeah you can't find it streaming anywhere you can't find a bootleg of it anywhere there is no fanfare for it but i love it to death and you talk about it often it's not like I you do. know i did a too obscure episode for it like three years ago yeah but i love that movie but that's like it's so cult that it's just there's no buddy claiming it yeah like i remember when the room when people figured out the room was a yeah. thing and people were like oh like passing it around it's like see this movie it's so bad that was like, oh, cult classic, like midnight movie. It's so bad. It's so ridiculous. I fucking love it. That was your movie you had me watch before we started officially dating. You're like, okay, before we date. I, got, uh, I gotta know. Are you on the wavelength? Can you, you laugh at the room? You gotta, you know, sit through the room. And I think I found a, a copy on YouTube for free with a commentary beneath it. So I just watched it and listened to these two guys reacting to it while they were eating like ramen or soup something and you know you could hear like the spoons drop and they'd start laughing or they'd be like what the fuck was that you know how did this transition from this to that and i was just like this is ridiculous but i also kind of love it and again so ridiculous and it also lives on at the frida because they show it every few months and then something like that and then the actor that plays mark he comes in and he does q and a he's great yeah But, but that's the thing i wanted to get across is the room at one point cult movie mm-hmm. but then it got so big and so much of a meme that it lost cult status like it like they made the disaster artist yeah. starring james fucking franco mm-hmm. when that happened i'm like this is no longer a cult film it's it's a known quantity yeah and i think that's a key element of a cult film like a true blue cult film it's a movie that is a unknown quantity like a group has accepted it and claimed it Mm-hmm. and it only spreads by word of mouth. Like, your mom should have no idea what this movie is. That's a cult movie. Yeah. When your parents are like, oh, watch Blazing Saddles, it's a cult <laughs> film. And I'm like, Blazing Saddles no. is not a cult no, film. No, that is not a cult film. That it's, is... It's one of the best comedies of all time. It is a jewel amongst films, but 
this movie, I mean, yeah, this really fits the criteria of cult film. And for the 30th, I think it was Andrew Gower, some of the rest of the cast, and I think maybe producers, they decided to do a screening at one of like the Alamo theaters. Oh, the Alamo Draft House? Alamo Draft House. And they decided to do it for like one night, and they're like, well, let's try it out. You know, it, it is for the 30th. It sold out, and it was like a popular thing where like, you know, I couldn't make it this night. Can we do this again? They ended up doing 17 of these shows, and it was back-to-back, so they traveled through Texas because there was such a high demand for, you know, the Monster Squad and being able to see these people and do a Q&A and hear, you know, their things about the making of this movie, and for them, it was just like, wow. I was like, really? You you loved our work? You know, this whole time, we kind of thought we were just, you know, thrown out there and no one really cared. But, but yeah, there's been this, you know, big cult following that's kind of said... Hey, you know what? I'm going to, you know, just hold you guys above my head, keep you guys out of the water because this movie, you know, needs to be protected. And I think that's a a good thing cuz not every movie gets held on to. Like mm-hmm. there's probably like let's be honest, you and me watched a bunch of movies as kids. How many of those movies do you remember watching that you have zero like care for like you watched it once as a kid you're like that was fine and just never heard from it again oh yeah i'm sure there's been tons there's so many like hocus pocus for the longest time was oh yeah i remember that as a kid like yeah i watched it like on halloween it was fun and now it's getting a fucking sequel oh that's where we differ because (laughs) yeah i know i i hold hocus pocus near and dear to my heart that was that's was my that i think that's my mom's like favorite halloween movie because it has bet midler in it and she loves Midler. oh yeah and i mean bet midler is phenomenal in hocus pocus so is sarah (laughs) jessica parker uh kathy namjami um i mean let alone the whole cast off the top of your head doug Uh, jones is in there i'll give you that a freebie but that's the thing hocus pocus was like that was another one of those like oh yeah, it was a Disney movie. It did it didn't do well when it came out, and if you were in the know, you knew, yeah. and you you showed Hocus Pocus to like whoever because it was a fun little kids movie. It was it was a fun mm-hmm. you know Halloween thing, and then got reclaimed, spread and spread and spread, and now we're getting a sequel like thirty years after the first one. Actually, tonight of this recording, the sequel comes out, so I will be up at midnight watching Hocus Pocus too. Oh Lord, that... me and Binks together will be watching it. That. I feel like I got a monkey's paws, like, a monkey paw wish, you know, with, like, all the like all this stuff. I'm like, man, I really wish these cool things from my childhood could come back. And they were like, hey, we're going to make everything from your childhood come back. And I was like, I just wanted a, I just wanted a Punisher TV show. Why am I getting Hocus Pocus 2? What the I'll hell? take it. That was my wish. Uh, that is your wish? Uh, I mean, it wasn't. Why am I getting a He-Man TV show without He-Man? What's I mean, it on? really wasn't my wish because it's a good standalone film. But the fact that they got at least the sisters back, I'm like, okay, I, I'm willing to watch it again and see what take they're going to take on it. I... While the cast is still alive, because that's always the worst when someone comes up with a really good story and they do it too late and, you know, people... Like what happened with Ghostbusters? Yeah, you know... It's, you feel the, the, the missing presence of that actor that, you know, is no longer with us. So I'm, I'm willing to give this one, you know, the, the benefit of the doubt. Hopefully it's a really good film. I don't know if we could do that again with Monster Squad without having, you know, the original members come back and, you know, they're the parents this time. Well, somebody mentions, mentioned Monster Squad as like, oh, you can just, you can remake it, like, this is the era that it would hit. Mm -hmm. Because, 
you know, this is like an like we are in an era now, the internet culture area era, where this movie is like kind of would work with that because oh, it's these kids who are like in the know, they're in the meta stuff, like oh yeah, mm-hmm. Wolfman, like there's only one way to kill him, and it's all the silver bullets. God, how do you not know this, mm-hmm. you fucking nerd? And like. It's like that kind of culture. But thing is, there's so much of the movie, if they remade it, they'd have to change because it's made in the 80s. And there's yeah. some 80s culture things that do not fly anymore. Oh, no, definitely. They'd really have to work on, you know, the, the political correctness of this movie because there are words that are used in the original film that we do not use today. They're very derogatory to a very uh, uh, prominent subsection of humanity. Yeah, so, I mean... That, you know, is an easy change to make sure that that's not used. There's uh, body shaming with Horace. Yeah, there's uh, the slut shaming with the sister. With the sister. There's the whole thing where the Monster Squad is very much a boys club. I mean, let alone, you know, little sister. on the clubhouse it says no girls allowed, which, I mean... That's that, like a really, like, minor thing, but... But it also fits into Fred Decker's idea of this movie where it was... He wanted the Little Rascals meets the Universal Monsters. And if you watch, like, the 90s version of The Little Rascals, you know, it's the He-Man Woman Haters Club with no girls allowed signs posted everywhere. So it's like, you can see how that idea is wrapped in there. And it's like, yeah, you know, Phoebe would, you know, in today's, you know, Monster Squad, Phoebe would be the leader of the Monster Squad. She is the one that brought a physical monster into the clubhouse. And Yes, she, she is the wielder of Frankenstein. Yes. God, I I just remi- I just was reminded that yeah, there was a '90s Little Rascals movie. I watched that as a kid. I love that movie. I I haven't seen it in so so long. I could probably recite that whole movie. I used to watch it on the regular. Oh God, I know I saw that movie a, a couple of times when I was when I was little little. I haven't seen it in twenty years, but that okay. On, on that note, have you seen the new Monsters film yet? No, okay. I haven't seen it. I. I know I need to because I love the monsters, the the original show. So so does Rob Zombie, apparently. <sighs> yeah, but I mean, I, every single screenshot looks bad. It does, and it's just I keep hearing a lot of praise from people, and it's just like I don't know if I want to watch it and piss myself off. It's like I'd rather just go on Peacock and watch the original monsters or monsters go home. It's like no, it's like I don't I don't want to do. <laughs> you, you're like you feel ob- it's like the thing where you know you feel obligated because i'm a fan i yeah. like the monster the monsters the monsters but man do, do i really do i how far does my fan card go for this oh, one? Oh, it was the same thing with like uh the new show wednesday that's coming out next month i believe mm-hmm. you know first you know heard the rumblings and i was like oh well i'm kind of excited because i love the adams family, the adams family. wednesday is my spirit animal and I was like, I don't know. It's like, you know, the 90s, uh, the Adams Family and um, Adams Family Values, like, that's my jam. And then I saw the trailer. I like Adams Family. Uh, we know, we know. We've had this discussion before about values. But uh, I saw the trailer for Wednesday, the new show, and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is phenomenal. This is going to be. You're, you're already sold on the trailer. Like, this is going to be amazing. Yeah. And then, you know, seeing the trailers to the Munsters, and I was just kind of like, for me, swing and a miss. The thing is, is the Munsters feels like something that should have been made when Adam's Family came out. Yeah. Like, it should have been made when the Little Rascals, like, Beverly Hillbillies, that whole era in the 90s where people were just like, hey, 
You know those really fun, kind of goofy TV shows from, like, the 60s in our childhood? What if we updated them and placed them now? Like, I think, that's, that's I think they is. did do a Monsters at around that time. I don't remember if it was a TV movie or if it was, like, an actual, like, studio-produced movie. And it completely bombed because it was just that bad. It must have because it doesn't exist. I don't, does Was there a Monsters movie in the 90s? I think so. It was either early 90s or late 80s, somewhere in there. And it was just a colossal nightmare. And then I was excited. Well, I was kind of excited. I was like, okay... Monsters are coming back, but I was like, Rob Zombie, it was like a Halloween, I'm like, I'm also not- Also the thing where the only person who can play Herman Mus- Munster is Fred Wynn. Yeah, and it's like, this guy, I mean, he's trying, I mean, he's making a lot of, like, goofy faces, but it's like- and He also doesn't sound like him at all, like- No, and then, you know, no disrespect to Rob Zombie's wife, but it's like, she doesn't look like Yvonne DiCarlo, and I mean, Yvonne DiCarlo- you know, just cemented this look of who Lily Munster should be. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, you see her now and it's like, well, yeah, you've got the wig and you've got the, the Malin streaks in your wig, but it's just, you don't look like Lily. It's it's the thing where, I also don't know why they're making a Munsters movie. Don't be wrong, like, I remember watching the Munsters when I was, like, younger, because it was, like, on TV. It was yeah. in syndication for, like, decades. Oh, yeah. But... I don't know how popular it is. Like, actually popular. Not in, like, the spooky community, but I mean, like, in the world. Like, I don't know how many, like, 10 10 to 20-year-olds talk about the monsters. Yeah, I mean, I I follow a lot of spooky pages and stuff. That's the thing. You're in the echo chamber where the monsters is in the the canon. Yeah, and you see people's kids dress up for, you know, Halloween. They do, like, full family costumes where, you know, the son is Eddie Munster who, you know, we've met. We've met Butch Patrick before. Yeah. Really nice guy. But, yeah, you know, I see these kids that are into the Monsters, the Adams Family, the Monster Squad, and it's still very much alive. I'm not too sure to, you know, the, the non-spooky society, if it is to them, or it's just this kind of thing, you know, oh, we watch this in October, kind of, you know, special thing for Halloween. But I don't know because I I haven't watched a single episode of the Monsters since again I was a kid who had like cable. Oh I, no, I, I watch it every now and then. It's on Peacock. And, so, but yeah. again, you're in the spooky the yes. spooky cocoon, as it were, getting ready to blossom on Halloween night. I it just weirds me out that the Monsters of all things is the thing that gets the reboot treatment because the monster the Monster Squad feels like it's primed for, like, a reboot treatment because it's a film that I feel all the kernels of a good, functional film are there. Yeah. The only thing that held it back was, like, okay, production or some some acting choices, certain things like that just needed to be tweaked a little bit. Mm-hmm. Or the, the movie just wasn't completely um, blossomed, right? Developed. The, yeah, it wasn't developed completely. So I feel like if they did it now, they could really work with it. Like this, this is basically Stranger Things. I I just got this. Yeah, they could. J- this is literally Stranger Things. Yeah, and I guess there was talks to do a part two of this, but it got you know it cut it, off at the knees when they saw the returns. Yeah, and I think you know maybe now they would consider it. You know, you were saying in the car that they could make this like a like a Peacock special where it's just you know. It's only on here. It's like a made-for-TV movie, but it's going to do extremely well because it has a good premise. It has a good following. Well, that that was my thing. Like when I was talking about 
that, I was like, as it is right now, if it was made today, like if we didn't have a Monster Squad before and we just got Monster Squad now mm-hmm. and was made today and they released it on like a Peacock or streaming thing, it would probably do well because I feel like the the culture of the movie, the the the, the what's going on in the movie, the iconography in the movie, mm-hmm. I feel it would work better now than it would in 1987. Because in 87... Like, we talked about this kind of extensively, like, off mic, was, I don't know who you're selling this to in 1987. Fright Night, I I think, is a better film than this. Came out, like, two years ago. And that was a moderate hit. It it didn't blow the box office. I think it was, like, what, a $10, $15 million budget, and it made 20? Somewhere in there. Yeah, like, it, it made its money back. It was, like, did okay. But this one, I know this one had a comparable budget. Did they think this was going to make 30? I don't know. I mean, maybe. But, you know, again, being off the heels of the Lost Boys debuting. That that sucked all the wind out of these Yeah, sales. so it's like, you know, there was an audience. It's just... The, the audience saw, like, why would I go see The Monster Squad, which looks like a, a low-rent B-movie. And is trying to lean into that a little bit. When I can go see The Lost Boys, which is like a full-blown production with stars and notable actors. And also, like... The vampires are hot. The, I can go yeah. and, you know, watch them. It's directed by Joel Schumacher. Mm. Like, the yeah. guy, like, you say what you will about his Batman movies, he knows how to make a fucking film. Yeah. And it's like, uh, like, yeah, like that sucks the wind out of any any sales. Where it's like, it's like what happened with, You like, have the shirtless... Thing. Uh, saxophone guy in Lost Boys. Greatest actor of all time. Yes. It's like the thing that happened with um, The Thing, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh yeah, you know, we released across from Blade Runner, and also it was the same year that E.T. came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we weren't making any money that year. Yeah. So, like, I like Monster Squad had a little bit of that. I think on its best day, it would have made, like, 15 to 20. Like, that, like, if this movie just came out and it was the only thing running, it probably would have made, like, 15 to 20. But, fuck, it's released across from Lost Boys, and that sucks as audience. I don't know. But, you know, you're starting to wave yourself because it's getting warm in the recording studio. So, why don't you hit us with a couple of your quick trivia facts, and we'll try and wrap up. Well, I mean, I don't have too much trivia on this movie, because this movie, like you said, is an experience. Mm-hmm. It goes for the heart. I mean, yeah, this movie is basically my childhood wrapped up into a film. You know, my parents, you know, divorced when I was close to Phoebe's age. So it's, you know, experiencing that. It's having monsters kind of be my safe haven, my my your little your little safety blanket. Yeah, you know, my escape. Uh yeah, I used to carry around little dog stuffed animal too. Uh so it's like, yeah, you know, I could totally identify with this and just wanting to have people that also shared their love for monsters and I didn't really find that till I was an adult. It was like one of those things where it's like, well, I can't go, you know, too hard on, you know, I love the monsters because I was going to be like, oh, you're that weird kid. And it's just like, I am, but friend, friend. Jesus. Get it. Ah, fine. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Final thoughts on Monster Squad. Well, I'm, I'm trying to lead us into like the climax of the movie because we have them, you know, bracing themselves to kind of get to, we, we've got to kill the monsters essentially. Yeah. And it's just, you know, we need to have basically our wits and the right equipment to kill these monsters because they all have to die in, you know, special ways. 
And, um, I mean, let alone just that scene in the house when the kids get there and it's just, you've got monsters coming from every corner of the house and it feels like an episode of Scooby-Doo Yeah. and also your worst nightmare. You know, you look one down one hallway and here comes Dracula and there's the Wolfman and that's when we get the iconic Wolfman's got nards because you got to kick him in the nards. Of course, that's, that's Wolfman's one weakness. Yeah. So it's like, you know, that scene is so iconic and leading up to the climax where... You know, they're trying to open up this portal to send Dracula and the monsters away. And you've got Rudy that's just slaying the wives of Dracula. And it's just like, my God, there's just so much going on. Shane Black writes action movies and he made an action movie ending. And it was just like, (laughs) so mind blowing. The climax of the movie is like the ending. It's like it's an action movie ending. The the army shows up as a callback to a gag earlier in the movie like, yeah eugene he sends you know a letter to the the army he's like you know we're getting attacked by monsters please help and, and the, the army shows up eventually after every every monster's been defeated i know but the, the army showed up they they showed up in a tank and everything and i was like <sighs> okay awesome People really should give the movie a watch like it's worth at least one watch it's very entertaining uh, definitely more than one watch. Couple watches in there. Just so if, you, if, if you got that boo energy, you got to watch this movie religiously. I mean, let alone you got to watch it a couple of times just to look at everything in the the treehouse. There's a lot of uh, gags and Easter eggs in there. I mean, that treehouse is the thing of my dreams. I wish I could have that with just so much, you know, merch and pictures. And when Dracula blows it up, I mean. That's when he became the villain again. I mean, the anger, the course through me. But I mean, he had his, you know, bad guy line when he blew it up. He's like, meeting adjourned. And I was just like. So, yeah, Shane Black definitely wrote this movie. I was like, fuck yeah, but I'm still mad at you, Dracula. Jesus Christ. But yeah, so. I I love this movie. Absolute love. Oh, yeah. I mean, the ending gets me misty eyed every time. Really? Yes. Oh, it's because it's Frankenstein. Yeah, it's Frankenstein. So it's it. Like, can I get a Frankenstein for Christmas? Please. I'll take him everywhere with me. Uh, will you take him outside? Have get take him on walkies. We'll go on walkies. We'll go to the park. You clean up after your Frankenstein. I'll get him some toilet paper if he'll, he needs he'll it. He'll drop some Frankenstein's dookies on your on on the on the rug, and you're like, ah, damn it! You have to put Frankenstein's nose in it so he wants to do it again. No, I just tell him bogus, man, bogus. You bogus. don't do that. So yeah, so Frankenstein, you're you're on a or not Frankenstein Monster Squad. You're on a you're on a two big thumbs up. Oh, on this absolutely, one. two of the biggest thumbs up on this movie. Um, if you could find a copy, you know, buy it. But it's streaming on Stars. It used to stream on Prime. I don't know if it'll come back. But if you're able to watch it anywhere, definitely give it a watch. It's so worth it. I get you. I, I, I'm not. I'm. I'm hesitant on a two thumbs up. I will give it a one solid one. And one shaky one. One shaky one. Because don't get me wrong, definitely worth at least one watch. Like the movie is fun. If you're into spooky stuff, you're gonna like it. You go in with the expectation of. It's not taking itself seriously. You shouldn't either. Yeah. Um, there's a few, like, craft issues making, ha- like, how the movie's made that might irk some people who aren't, like, riding the ride. But I really enjoyed it. I found it to be fun. But I don't know if everyone's going to find it to be fun, you know? I think that's going to be a thing because, you know, you are you love the spooky stuff. And I'm like, I, I enjoy spooky stuff. I like sprinkling spooky stuff on my steak. You're like, just give me the spooky stuff. Leave the steak behind. Oh, I live in it. You know, 
Sprinkle some pumpkin spice on it. I'm in. Is that the spooky spice? Is pumpkin spice? Of course. It's the spookiest of spices. But speaking of spooky spices, what's the movie next week? (sighs) Next week is another movie that's near and dear to my heart. I don't know if you've seen it in its entirety or you've just seen clips of it, but next week we'll be watching The Bride of Frankenstein. (laughs) Yes. She's alive. Alive. Now, I've seen seen Bride of Frankenstein before. That I wasn't sure if... Because I remember a couple of years ago, you had like a, one of your classes was on Halloween day and you're like, oh yeah, we're going to watch like the classic monsters. And your professor ended up showing like clips of it. Yeah. He didn't show all of them. So I wasn't sure if that's a movie that you have seen or it's just, you know, bits and pieces that you've seen. I have seen the entirety of the original run of all the universal monsters. Mm-hmm. I When I was, like, a little kid, I think my aunt got me, like, a collection set of, like, oh, it's, like, all the Dracula movies, all the Frankenstein movies. So it's, like, Frankenstein, Pride of Frankenstein, Son of Frankenstein, like, all those ones that came out between, like, the 30s and, like, the 50s, I think. Mm -hmm. So it's, like, Dracula, Frankenstein, Invisible Man, Wolfman, Creature from Black Lagoon, all of them. And I watched all of them through at least once, but again, I did that before I was 10, so... It's going to be interesting going going back to the well. Yeah, and you know? I'm going to have to go through um, our list that we made last year for like our top 10 movies. Because mm. the bride's on it. It is. But I don't remember if she's in like my top three or my top five. Because this movie is just... I Kino. I thought it was an honorable mention. No, no. It, it, it might be It might be number three. Because yeah. I think Halloween's beat it. I think. Maybe. I'm going to have to do some some homework before we come back to this <laughs> some, episode. Some research. You're going to search your soul and see, where did I put this last time? Yeah, because I have no idea where I put my list. But, uh, yeah, so that was Monster Squad, but next week will be The Bride of Frankenstein. Starring Boris Karloff, Elsa Lanchester, Colin Clive. <sighs> it's going to be so good. But if they wanted to see it, where can you go? Well, if you want to listen to us on a different platform than you currently are, you can find us on Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Yes, you can go to our YouTube channel, The Film Vault. That is The Film Vault on YouTube. Go comment, like, subscribe, and uh, yeah, check out our episodes on there. We do little video bits of this. They're low rent, but they're fun. And uh, yeah, but if you wanted to see what else we're doing. Uh, we're also on Instagram at The Film Club Podcast, where we do daily stories, trivia, upcoming episodes, and follow us for our adventures that we go on, because it's October, so of course we're going to be doing a lot of spooky things this month. And with that... Wolfman's got nards. Dun dun dun! Alright everybody, have a good week. We'll see you next week. <laughs>